Hello, and welcome to Working Stiff Radio. I'm Envy, my pronouns are they, them, and this is my co-host. I'm AJ, my pronouns are they or she. Hello, welcome to episode one. Yeah, this is a, you know, one small step and all that. (laughs) It's a bit of a (laughs) momentous occasion. One small step for who? Uh, no, no one, no, no. There was well, there was a lot of small steps for me. Uh, yeah, just... well, I mean, for yeah, true. Okay, that theme song was a pain in the ass. Okay, yeah, yeah, no, that's fair. But it's okay. So it's I'm a lot of small at... steps for you. Who is it a huge leap for? Uh, the po- the podcasting community. You're welcome. The podcasting here. community. We have yeah. arrived finally. Yeah. We've. Are we've, we not what you've been waiting for? <laughs> Is this a good first impression? <laughs> you know, who could say? Honestly, who could say? Um, we are a pro wrestling and labor podcast, and we are going to talk some about uh both those things. Uh we're gonna start off by just talking about stuff that has us excited, stuff that's been going on these uh last few weeks in the world of pro wrestling, in the world of uh of labor and where they two, where the two intersect, and then the main uh, portion of the show today is going to be a interview that me and AJ did with uh, labor organizer Nino, who is working right now a lot with uh, the indie wrestling space. Uh, a fantastic conversation uh, that I hope you all enjoy very much. Uh, in the meantime, uh, AEW is doing fucking really good right now. <laughs> I I've had a good time watching AEW. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, you know, it's it's fully the AEW experience mm-hmm. with distilled, like heightened to its max. Like, oh yeah, oh yeah, you know, big names you never thought would be there are there, as well as you know, relatively smaller names you never thought would be there who you're so excited to see get there. But yeah. at the same time, there's also a bunch of names where it's like, I wish you just weren't on my screen actually i really i really wish you weren't around at all yeah at all at all and even with like you know more time and better matches and things like that with like the women's division you know like more Mm -hmm. more chances that have been given to people there's still such a long way oh like oh god yes from from any sort of parity between the gendered divisions especially not when like they, they treat it like this the third it's the smallest of the three divisions in the company like mm-hmm. because one of those divisions is the tag division and it's all men <laughs> and like yeah. there isn't really a women's tag division like there are sometimes tag matches in the women's division but they don't really have a tag division even though they've like teased that they were gonna do that sometimes yeah just, they have started they have started doing like that some of the women's tags have like a matching outfit matching gear and like i know the i know the music guy um has talked about is who that he's working for like tag themes for like anna jay and ty conti for example mm. uh so like oh yeah that new theme just, yeah. just dropped i don't know if you heard it no, I didn't. It but starts like, with like it starts with like a big like video game it fight fighting <laughs> game voice that's like Ty J fight. Oh my god, that's pretty good. Actually, I kind of like that. Um, and then it like, goes so into like it goes into like samba, but with like yeah. sort of scar keys of like the Dark Order theme. 
I mean, if you're gonna if you're gonna have those two together, then that's the way you do it, right? Yeah, it's it's yeah, it's kind of it's cool. It works, I think. Yeah, yeah. So like, um, presumably they're going to be doing something, and obviously Penelope Ford and the Bunny. Uh, yeah, they've been else? forming new uh, tag teams that yeah. like definitely seems as if they're building towards that new division. But yeah. at the same time, you know, they have just uh, announced the new women's belt, which yep. is it's a singles belt, a singles belt, and mm-hmm. you know. It's almost definitely. It's almost definitely ending up on Jade, like just because, like it seems, yes. it seems like designed for her. And you know what? Yeah. I don't have a problem with that. No, not and, at all. But it really does seem like Tony Khan cares about two women. <laughs> you know what I mean? I think. Yeah, I think Tony Khan cares about one woman, and then there's enough pressure to him for him to care about one more woman. <laughs> I mean, no, yeah, I think it's also just like Jade has been given the star treatment from the beginning. So it's yeah. like you sort of have to be consistent with that as well. So, like, true, if true. someone's going to get the new belt, it makes a lot of sense that it's her. But also, if she lose, if she gets her first loss in this tournament final, like, that would also be a story moment as well. Like, you know, who would you give that win to? It would, it would be Thunder Rosa. Yeah. I mean, they've the the right, already. Did you see the full the full gear card leak thing? No. The, uh, fucking uh, apart, Tony Khan at a Jags game had it had his notebook visible and was photographed, and it had like a, a card that he was like planning out, and, and people okay. were saying like, "Oh, it looks like it's the full gear card," uh, <laughs> and literally the only women's matches on it was Brit versus Blank. And then Thunder Rosa versus Jade, all caps, short. Oh my god. Yeah. Oh my god. Alright, well, hopefully that doesn't come to pass. Fuck. So, the fact that it's short makes me think Jade's mm-hmm. winning it. But... Yeah. I mean, that's been all of Jade's matches so far. Yeah. Like, but... I think I think the longest match she's had is, like, around the five-minute mark, something like that. She's had some tag matches in which, yeah, like, you know, true. it's got to stretch out a bit more, but yeah. Like, you know, she. You know, I think she's she's doing well. She's still impressive. Oh God, yes. Every time, like God, yes. I, I'm not saying I'm not saying that as a knock on on yeah. Jade. Like Jade yeah. is fucking great. Love her. No, yeah. Uh, Once it all but, my complaints about the women's division, it's almost entirely about the book, and it's yes, rarely ever 100%. actually about the like the, the only, athletes themselves. The only the only one of the athletes I'd knock is Serena Deeb. <laughs> I mean, it. no, there's there's more. Yeah, there's Are there's there? other people with. Yeah, so all right. Well, here's the thing. That's, this that's is the one new, I know this of. Is, Envy. This show is going in front of a new audience. If we're gonna <laughs> talk shit about people, we need to explain why we have a problem with them. So that's fair. That's but fair. But I don't fair. know if we want to get into that right now. I just no, mean like no. I just mean going forward. We, that's probably something we should think about. We will do like we're we're gonna talk a lot about AEW because AJ and I both watched it. We will be doing a like episode running down uh things like their factions their uh title holders like we we will be talking really? about the yeah for sure okay so i, I want to do it that sounds like fun. <laughs> okay okay uh and also just to have like a i like doing primers for things you know i would love to do an AEW primer for someone who has never seen the promotion before you know okay stuff like that that sounds good we uh, can do that. yeah that sounds like a good time um and then like you get fucking <laughs> every now and then every now and then you see something happen that just has you like 
salivating. Um, and that was very much when they announced that fucking Brian Danielson would be taking on Minoru Suzuki on YouTube of all fucking places. Yeah. Okay. So to get yeah. So I don't know if we should set this up or if we should just go into how excited we are about this match. Brian Danielson, one of one of the best wrestlers of all time. Mm-hmm. Um, definitely one of the best American wrestlers of all time. Yes. Canadian, sorry. North American. He's from Canada, right? North American. I don't yeah. know. I don't I'm know if he's sure Canadian. He, I'm pretty sure he's Canadian. Anyway. But he's the one, American dragon. He's the yeah, because he worked in I anyway. Okay. He's fucking incredible. And has yeah. been for a very, very long time. Yeah. Uh Minoru Suzuki, likewise, uh, one of the greatest of all time, like has some somewhere around like two thousand plus matches under his belt. Has been working for like thirty plus years, or something like that. Combat sports uh, legend. Combat sports yeah. legend, like absolutely fucking like just living legend status, right? Um, never thought they would meet, ne- or they have they have once before, but like now that both of them are like very much legend status. Yeah. Never the, thought they would see we would see them in the same ring. Their last match was in 2004. Yeah, yeah. Um and they fucking delivered. Like that was an incredible match that they had. I uh, I've been I've been seeing some Suzuki matches recently where it looks like he's kind of lost a step a little bit, which is understandable. He's, you know, getting up there in age. And then this match comes along where it doesn't look like he's lost a single step ever he looks fucking incredible because of the style of match they're both wrestling Mm. it looks so fucking good yeah it's honestly like i've said it before i'll you know i'll say it again describing (laughs) this it's exactly what you would want from the two of them like Mm -hmm. this is the match that these two were were always going to have like or the match wouldn't have happened yeah <laughs> like 100%. this is why these two wanted to get in the two ring together this is the the the, the 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 ability to have this kind of match is why brian danielson is brian danielson again yeah <laughs> like 100 that's that's why he left wwe and and came written like I nearly said return to the Indies, but that's not what's happened. That's not <laughs> no. what's happened. He no, ju- jumped all. ship to AEW yeah. with like you know a view to work elsewhere as well. It was so he could work these style of matches. Like he's yeah. he loves like the hard body strong style. You know, he just and you can see it. it. You can see it in this match how much fun he's having. Like and you can see you can see helps. how he's living through it. Yeah, that it always helps that like you know. There, there is so it both a, a lot of people. There were some people who just weren't feeling this match because you really? know, yeah, because a lot of you know, it's 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 kind of divisive. Because where is this? Where is we eat this up? Me and you, you know, there are a lot of people who are just like, oh, I don't, I'm not really interested in a match that's half elbow chop exchange, you know. But it, it, yeah, this uh, to me that's really underselling and underappreciating what the performance is because yeah 100 these two are like such masters of what they do and like not just in being able to kick the shit out of each other even though that's what they do in this match yeah <laughs> it, it's also in like the facial expressions and the story they're able to tell and like the way the fact they're go- their way they're goading each other the way they're like hold like uh the amount of times they zoom in on danielson's face and he's just like he looks like 
he looks like he's climbing the tallest mountain he has ever climbed in his life. Mm. And like he's really trying to push through it. And it looks incredible. And all of that is like communicated while at the yeah. same time, like you initially said, you can tell he's having the time of his life. Like yeah, it, it comes through in the performance, mm-hmm. but like the performance itself is like something else entirely. <laughs> yeah, it's so good. Like you can get in, like, even if you don't have access to uh, a TV channel where you can get AEW if you live, uh, you know, elsewhere, if you. Uh, even if you haven't seen AEW up until this point, like just go to AEW's YouTube channel and check out this match. Like you can just you can just go there. It's free. It's it's right there. Just watch it because fucking hell, it's good. Um, what else is going on in wrestling well, we're watching right now? Uh, see, I've yeah, I've mostly been. I haven't been watching a lot of wrestling recently because of been training myself so i've just not been sitting down a lot uh Uh, but um i think so mostly personally mostly AEW, but with like uh you know a little bit of noah and Mm -hmm. some indie stuff depending on what i'm catching up with at the time yeah yeah uh so yeah i think we could probably talk about AEW a little bit more. I think. I think. Uh, <laughs> I mean, Hangman's back. That's fun. Uh, yes, he had a great. He yes. had a great promo. I love him. Oh, I love him so much. I'm so excited so for him to for him to come back as the Joker yes, and to and yes. to win again as the Joker. One hundred percent. It was so I'm, good for him to do that cowboy shit promo. Where, it where was such like, a good promo. Yep. And honestly, apparently I needed it because I'd forgot that he'd already won the title shot and put it on the line and lost. Like, even though that was a big moment, it's like, yeah. oh, well, it's been, a mo- it's been a few months. I forgot. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> like, uh, oh, and, it was so good. And, you know, it's the, it's the classic, like, sort of meta promo thing that he kind of excels at where it's, like, fully yeah. in character, but then is also, like, you know, being, like, it, it's it, it's like but it's about him as a wrestler as well as him as a character and him as a person like there is like a sort of unspoken acknowledgement of like the different aspects and how they're all the same in in the promo like you know he, he talks about how like he went through all that shit that was storyline oh but mm-hmm. then i had to go home and look after my beautiful newborn child uh, like yeah and i just that's why i haven't been here it's not because i've been depressed for storyline reasons it's because i had a kid and you know that's and more way, important to me than this but now i'm and back. the way he said and the way he said that too like and while being on the hottest run of my career taking a break and going home to be there for the birth of my beautiful baby boy by god that's cowboy shit yeah that was like the most conviction in the entire promo full yeah, of conviction 100%. like it, it was, was so, good. so good it you know that's the thing is like you see it's such perfect it's so it was such a perfect wrestler promo that it's like mm-hmm. he's using like that real love he has that you can see and like that blends with like the passion of like the rest of the p- promo even though it's like completely different like it's it, it's like one of those things where it's like okay 
no one's saying this is a shoot. It's clearly not a shoot. This is clearly <laughs> something he has planned out to say. Yeah, but it's got, but it's half got those vibes of like this. This is just me talking to you as as a performer, not as not as the cowboy. <laughs> yeah, one hundred percent. I mean, a lot of, like it's a it's a very common thing to say that like the best wrestling character is just you yourself turned up a bit, mm. and Hangman feels like a perfect embodiment of that. I mean, yeah, that's what he's been doing for like. You know a the entirety of AEW and time. and a bit previous, that, yeah. yeah. Whereas like his his whole ca- character is that he's insecure and anxious, <laughs> and you know it, his whole story in AEW has been about like the lows that's taken him to and him climbing out of it, and it yeah. looks like we're finally gonna get there. Like I'm so excited if he beats like even though that feels like the perfect like. Like from a storytelling perspective, it feels like a foregone conclusion that he's going to take it finally. Mm. I'm still going to lose my fucking mind if it happens. Yeah, well, I think the fact that they already did the the fake on it of like mm-hmm. he won he won the title opportunity, but then he got screwed out of it before he yeah. could have the title match. Like mm-hmm. the fact that they've already done that is like one of those things where it's like. Well, as a storyteller, that reassures me that like that's probably not going to happen again. But like, as but now, but a wrestling fan who's nervous about yeah. how things get booked, yeah, <laughs> it's uh, it's kind of just planted more seeds of anxiety. Which, but oh. you know, the way AEW books things so far, all indications are that that will pay off and that that, yes. that anxiety yes. will be relieved. But in the meantime, oh my god, what if no? <laughs> what, what if Hangman doesn't do Kenny, actually? Oh, oh my god, I would... Oh god, they... Oh my... I, I'm not even going to wish... I'm not even going to think about that possibility. Mm. I'm so scared. I'm so scared, AD. I'm so scared. <laughs> and um, based on the timing of things, Hangman's first challenger is going to be the winner of the upcoming... Uh, title the eliminator tournament. tournament yeah i love a tournament i do love a tournament aw also loves a tournament <laughs> they sure fucking do i mean they've just they just released the brackets right like we have we have uh dark orders 10 versus moxley orange cassidy versus powerhouse hobbs who mm. i know we, i know we said bison smith had the best wrestler uh, best name of wrestlers ever had before uh but powerhouse hobbs is fucking up there as well it's up there yeah um, uh, we have Dustin Rhodes versus Brian Danielson, and we have Lance Archer versus Eddie Kingston. Uh, that's the that's your brackets, mm. and yeah. See, here's the thing: like, we know how most of this is gonna go, but the yes. possibilities are so interesting. There are there are two question marks for me. Like Moxley beats ten, no question. Yes, Danielson beats Dustin, no question. Yes. Uh. Cassidy and Hobbs, I it's, could see. I could see either way. I know. But I it's think Cassidy. it's Hobbs. No, it's Cassidy because of really. I, don't I think. Know. Have you been watching? Because might... this, but it's definitely Cassidy. Mm. I can tell you why right now. Please do. Uh, because they just had John Moxley versus Utah on uh, right. Dynamite, where yeah, Utah came yeah. out with Cassidy, yeah. and Utah just got absolutely fucking squashed in a way he hasn't like, on AW before mm-hmm. by Mox, and then Cassidy just sort of like stood over him and like watched Mox leave, and it's mm-hmm. like you know that only happened to set up them 
And also, that's we've fair. seen those two fighting in the ladder match recently. Yeah, that's true. That's true. Still, either way, like either way, either of those feel like they could potentially win the match, right? Like Cassidy and Powerhouse Hobbs. Oh yeah, both feel like name wise. Well, if it wasn't for booking reasons, yes. I would say like, oh yeah, just as a matchup, this could go mm. either way. But mm. because of booking, it's 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 Cassidy. It's it's Orange. Yeah. And okay, so if we if we say Moxley versus Orange, then Moxley yeah. probably takes that. I think yeah, because I think Eva would be fun in the final. But yeah, I think it's so. I think it's probably Moxley though. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Danielson goes over Dustin, no question. Yeah, no question. Archer and Kingston is a tough call for me because I really mm. like re- a. I want Eddie to win so badly. Mm. Uh, I want Eddie to win so badly. I was going to say I would also super like to see Archer win because I really like him as well, but. You want really, Eddie too much. I want Eddie too much. I love Eddie. Eddie Kingston might be my favorite wrestler of all time. Like, yeah, just yeah, flat he's out up at there. this point. Like, yeah. he really is up there. Eddie, I, I want Eddie to win. Mm-hmm. I, I'm not convinced that Archer won't win because of like the New Japan Suzuki Goon connection. Yeah, and yeah. just the fact that Archer is like a big guy, and like if Brand, if if Danielson is going to be the one who wins the tournament, then like him going through Archer is like maybe more of an impressive lead up to a hotshot title. Probably. You know? but, but I would rather see Danielson versus Kingston. Me too. That's a, As far as I know, that's a never before done singles match. Yeah, I don't think it is. Yeah, I don't and think that's that, ever happened before. I would love to get to see that match. Yeah, so, so much. Um, either way, though, I'm pretty confident that Danielson will be going to the finals. Oh, yeah, definitely. Um... I also think he would probably win it. Yeah, but, but I agree. I think Moxley, you know, Moxley has a very good shot. Moxley, like, Moxley has a good Moxley, shot, but also yeah. I think it would make more sense for Danielson to win it and be Hangman's first challenger and take a loss to Hangman. I think so too, to Moxley, because that would that would really cement Hangman as like the first person that Branielson takes in. Branielson, hello. <laughs> At least you avoided calling him Daniel yeah. Bryan on commentary. Yeah. <laughs> CM Punk. Um, yeah. Uh huh. Um, if Hangman is the first person that Danielson takes an L to, that's pretty good. Yeah. You know? Yeah. But at the same time, like Moxley, Moxley is up there as well. Like he would also be a very good person to take Danielson's first L. Yeah. Either, yeah. That's the thing. Is like either of them would do it, but I think yeah. just for the purposes of like momentum, it makes more sense for Danielson to win the tournament. And I think so too. Yeah. Either way, I'm really excited about all of these matches. Like even even Daniels and Dustin, I'm honestly excited to see. Like that is a weird fucking matchup that feels like it could probably be fun in some way. Mm. Yeah, <laughs> I'm sure. It, fucking, he did a Dustin did an an angle on Dark Elevation where he's got a new finisher. Like, yeah, yeah. It's 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 like a he called it the. Backland driver because it's like a it's like a double chicken wing into a power slam. He called it the huh. backland driver. Okay, interesting. That's uh, it wasn't. It didn't look that good to be honest. Yeah, that doesn't feel like it would. But all right, I guess sure. 
You, you do you, Dustin. You it, do like, you. It, it, does, it probably doesn't look how you would expect based on that description. It's, huh. It, yeah. All right, well, maybe I should watch Elevation then. I, very I mean, there was, less it, than, there was only four matches on it this week, so okay. it's, it's less Basically, than half an hour. Honestly, the only times I end up watching Dark or Elevation is when... It's a short episode. <laughs> No, not even that. It's when I hear that was like either I hear chatter about like, oh, this specific match really, really was good, mm-hmm. or there is like a Lee Moriarty match. Yeah. Uh okay. So speaking of Lee Moriarty, mm-hmm. he was also on the same pre show as Daniel yeah. as Danielson Suzuki yeah. against fucking Bobby Fish. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> newly newly signed QAnon mm-hmm. favorite Bobby mm-hmm. Fish. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um Good wrestler, like can have yeah, really good, good matches. The match was good. I just yeah. like, can't be excited for Bobby no, Fish, no matter 100%. how much I'm excited for Lee Moriarty. Yeah, I, like, I I enjoyed watching the match purely because like the crowd started to get on Lee's side, like mm-hmm. more than Bobby's, which was mm-hmm. you know pleasantly surprising considering yeah. what AEW crowds can be like sometimes. <laughs> You know, like there's a thin line between the AEW crowd and the full sale crowd. You even got yeah. the Everton kick guy now. Yeah. <laughs> like, God. We'll we'll talk about the full sale crowd in case people aren't familiar at some point. It's a whole fucking thing. Um you're gonna you yeah, can I speak just, on that more than me. i sure, sure. They're bad. It's just a bad <laughs> it's just a bad scene. Um but like I want the world for Lee Moriarty. <laughs> Absolutely. I want the world he for him. I, re- <laughs> I I knew it wasn't gonna happen, but I wanted him to somehow have beat of like to beat Bobby Fish and like win the match <laughs> against Danielson, like win his place in the match. But you know <laughs> that would be so good. That, they'll 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 cross paths eventually. They have to. Oh yeah. They simply oh, yeah. have to. Yeah, one hundred percent. Um, let's see. Uh, we had a title change in Noah. Finally, Marafuji no yeah. longer has the GHG heavyweight belt. Instead. I mean, he didn't really have it that long. It's just that he had, like, he only got two defenses before the end one. Yeah, that's true. But the rightful, the rightful champion is here, Katsuyuki Nakajima. Finally, where he belongs at the top. God, it's so good. It's so yeah. good to have heel nakajima as champion because there's only is. like two heels in the company <laughs> like we really couldn't we couldn't have if we couldn't have a face champ for any longer we oh needed we needed the young demonic kick machine that is 33 year old yeah uh katsuhiku nakajima 33 year old veteran yeah katsuhiku oh yeah 33 year old who started wrestling at 14 like yeah. he's <laughs> <laughs> Nearly twenty years in the business at thirty-two uh-huh. years old. Uh-huh. And he's fucking incredible. He's so fucking good. And like they I mean, obviously, if you have Nakajima and fucking Marafuji, Marafuji also like living legends status. Still a genius. Easily. Still, a, still genius. a fucking genius. Yeah, one like still one of the greatest wrestlers of all time. No question. Yeah, he doesn't uh, work the same way he used to, because of course no. he doesn't, but he still works at least as well. You know yeah. what I mean? Like hundred percent. He leans more into the technical style of things, yeah. but yeah. he's so good at that. He's so good at it. He's good at everything. He's I've never everything. seen something I've never seen something he's not good at. Um, not putting his throat across uh, railing <laughs> in a moonsault. All right. Well, yeah, I'm just I'm just happy he still has a throat after that. Mm. Um, 
But yeah, that was a fantastic match. Katsuhiko Nakajima wins, is the champion of Noah, finally, again. Uh, do we think Go is the person to take it off him? No. No? I think Go comes back and challenges for it and loses. Ooh. I think he goes past I'm Go. down with that. I'm down with that. I yeah. think I think from the way that like the GHC title has changed hands over the past year or two that we've been watching, it's like mm-hmm. it doesn't necessarily actually change hands during those narrative beats that you would expect it to. It's yeah. like that like those narrative beats of like closure like pers- a closure of a personal storyline don't doesn't usually mean the end of the title reign it just be mm-hmm. it like you know when go when when nakajima last won the n1 and had the attempt again had the title match against go like from a storytelling perspective it felt like it was time for nakajima to take the belt off go and that would have been the perfect way for go to have been dethroned but instead mm-hmm. go got to overcome him and like lost in different circumstances later on and i think in the same way go's return as like triumphant as it would be would like i think it would work to cement like nakajima's place as like the big bad on top of the company uh, as like oh even go coming back fully healed can't do shit to me (laughs) like you know what i mean and then like he'd probably lose it to some other face a while later (laughs) Maybe, maybe, uh, maybe Stinger Kaito is the one to finally Ka- do Kaito it. Kaito would be a great pick. Yeah, yeah but is I mean, Kaito I want, I want to see. I don't think so. I'm, I'm still catching up. I'm still catching up. Yeah, yeah, that's fair. That's fair. But like, he, he did seem real chummy with Stinger. Yeah. Well, you know, him and him and Ogawa have like had to te- have teamed up because Ogawa had to like defend him against Muto because Muto mm-hmm. was going too far and then yeah. Nasawa like they both ended up having beef against Nasawa so it's like it's I think it's more of a like the enemy of my enemy situation as well as the fact that you know well enemy of my enemy and you trained me so like you know you're one of my trainers so we I will was... always have that relationship that's true. I was also about to say, is there anyone who isn't Stinger's enemy? <laughs> no, but like, no N- one like Nisawa, Stinger doesn't. Nasawa Stinger... is like really Kaito's enemy right now. Like, remember, he's the one who. Like... Oh, right. Sorry, I I said that wrong. I was gonna. I I was meaning, is there anyone who isn't Nosawa's enemy, <laughs> or is there anyone who doesn't hate Nosawa? Segura? No, he does. Yeah, <laughs> no one likes Nosawa. <laughs> I mean, Fucking... why would you? He's a little rat. <laughs> He's a little clown faced rat. <laughs> don't don't shake hands with the juggalo. We've no. been over this. We can't make references to our other show on the first episode of this show. No one will get it. Go listen to two by two if you want more new pro wrestling Noah commentary. No, I'm just I'm cutting that out. <laughs> <laughs> this is going in. This is not paid by the hour, actually. <laughs> Um, but yeah, I think, I think that's, unless you have, uh, unless you have something else, I think that's, uh, I think that's basically what we've been, oh, 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 uh, something that we're, we can't speak a lot to, really, but is still exciting, is that fucking Seuss has left AJPW and is now yeah. the president of Osaka Pro. <laughs> yeah, what the fuck? That was... What the fuck happened there? Yeah, so Osaka Pro, for those who don't know, is like a indie promotion, like a regional indie in, in Japan. 
Um, mm-hmm. the I think was on the out, like due to COVID. I'm guessing. I'm, I'm yeah. you know, uh, and it's known of like being like the home promotion for like a lot of a lot of people who went on to bigger things, so to speak. Like a lot of the juniors in uh in Noah at the moment came up through Osaka Pro. Yeah. Uh, Last thing I I was ever expecting to hear was that Zeus from All Japan Pro Wrestling was leaving to take over and is now apparently the 100% sole shareholder. Mm Mm-hmm. What the fuck? And we'll be restarting the promotion. And Zeus is like, he felt like he had a very safe spot in All Japan. Yeah, like he's. I, I'd he- I'd heard a- I'd heard a lot of like praise for him. And, yeah, one hundred percent. That's a fucking what. Like, I'm like, very excited to see what ends up happening with that. That's a wild fucking development. It very much feels like a man with a vision has decided yeah. to do something, and yeah. apparently left on good terms with like mm-hmm. the All Japan office. Like, which is really exciting. That's just good. That's just good to hear. Yeah. Um, all right. Oh, I uh, did want to give, uh, one honorable mention to, um, Ethan Allen and Chris Ridgway had a rematch at Catch in Manchester oh, really? recently. Hell yeah. yeah. And it's up on YouTube for free. Ooh, we'll uh, put so, a link, we'll put a link to that in the, uh, in the description below. Yeah. They were one of my favorite, uh, 2020 matches. They had a, yep. a hybrid rules match at Blank Canvas Wrestling in Liverpool. It was the absolutely, last. Absolutely, absolutely incredible match. Such a good match. It was the last live show I got to go to before lockdown started. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, you know, it, it really stuck with me all year as like, oh, that, even though a lot of things happened in wrestling that year and a lot of big matches and a lot of great things, like that one really stuck with me as like every time I had to think of match of the year, that was what I thought of. You know what I mean? Yeah. yeah. So they recently got to do it. They got to run it back a, a catch. Uh, not standard pro wrestling rules this time, but fucking banger Absolutely. Yeah. so good oh i'm so glad to hear that i can't wait to watch it i have not i have not had the time to uh, to dive into it yet but i'm so excited to mm. also i've not seen the rest of that cat show cat show because besides the this was this was the main event and is on youtube but the rest of the show is on a like uk streaming service called like powered for tv i don't know if that's powered for tv.com or something else but like they've got a few british indies on there i think like they've got quite a few uh local wrestling stuff so Mm -hmm. i'm gonna get an account at some point and we can watch the full (laughs) show but uh yeah ridgeway and alan are both in northwest strong and i think on that show northwest strong like significantly expanded membership oh so they they've now got like six or seven members, not just three. <laughs> That's pretty good. Yeah, sweet. All right, Richway and Allen, Richway and Allen, a draw confirmed. I mean, it wasn't a draw. You're going to confuse people. <laughs> no. Oh fuck! I, I mean, a draw <laughs> as in getting people in. Yeah, I know. Putting butts in seats. That's what I mean. <laughs> <laughs> fucking hell alright with that let's get into our uh, let's get into our interview with labor organizer Nino a fantastic conversation with a fantastic human being uh, yeah thank you so much for listening
we're here today with our guest, who I'll leave to introduce themselves, just so I know how much of your name you want on it. Uh, yeah, I'm Nino. Y'all don't get to know my of last course. name. Not like you, <laughs> not just you personally. But like no, but like general. the people, the um, listeners. <laughs> Just like, you know, people. Uh, my pronouns are they and them. Lovely. Fantastic. Uh, and Nino, you're here to join us talking about unionization and organizing in professional wrestling. Uh, I actually have, I, I heard you have like a particular take on which word to use there, unionization, collective organizing, that kind of stuff, and some really good arguments for why one is more appropriate than the other that I'd love to get into you with. Uh, but first we'd we'd love to talk to you about like how how do you get into wrestling like what is your background when it comes to wrestling specifically uh, so <laughs> when i just so i just started talking with um doc diamond fire mm. um and we had like this conversation the other night because i just can't sleep uh anymore and so <laughs> and so uh we got to talk about this so i actually have like a pretty decent recollection for once uh so my you know, when you're a kid, you don't pick your best friends. Mm, yep. so I had like a best friend that I didn't pick. Um, and I was over one night and they were watching WWF. And that seemed pretty cool because when you're a kid, most things seem pretty cool yeah. when they're on TV. And uh, uh, I didn't really know what was going on. I don't remember much. Um, and then I, I went home and I was like, I want to watch this. And my father got very upset. Really? Um, okay. And all I really remember is like right to censor was 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 a thing at that time okay um and i knew like as a kid i was like oh you're not supposed to like these people <laughs> um <laughs> and uh you know my father got real mad and he was like you're not watching this and he was right um and then you know after like an hour of him like talking to cause he like called my my best friend who i didn't pick's uh mother oh, to be like why are you allowing my kid to watch this at your house and um by the end of that conversation he was like it's fine you can watch it <laughs> all um, right you did a good job of talking around then so, i really want to I mean, know really, what, i really want to know what that mother told him now <laughs> i want to hear her perspective on that talk she like hey you know i don't think she did anything wrong but i do think I should not have been watching WWF in the attitude yeah, era yeah. as a child. Yeah. Um, I, you know, I don't remember everything vividly, but every once in a while, uh, like a, a podcast or, or some other wrestling content, folks will go back. Like Deadlock will be like, all right, we're going to watch this WWF thing from 1998. And you're like, great. And they'll say something. And like, it's all, it, none of it makes sense. Mm-hmm. It's all bonkers shit. Mm-hmm. Uh, can I, yeah, can I you cast can on here? Yes, 100%. <laughs> um, I don't know if I've already done that before, but anyway. Um, so, like, you know, it, they'll mention something happened, and I'll be like, wow, I actually remember that. And I t- was, like, nine, <laughs> so that was not appropriate for me. Um, but I watched it for a while. Um, I remember, like, like in the, har- uh, the Hardys a lot. Mm. I did a lot of jumping off of things to try to emulate <laughs> um, top rope maneuvers, which is interesting that I didn't get m- more injured. I was just um, about to say another it. reason you should not have been watching WWF at the time. Yeah, and, you know, you like have that one dumbass friend who jumps off. Yeah, of, everything. of course, of course. Um, you know, you go out and they're like, "I'm going to climb the trailer and jump onto that sofa that we pulled out of the woods." Mm-hmm. And you're like, "That seems like a great idea because yeah. you are nine years old." Yeah. Um, <laughs> And, you know, other nine-year-old ideas, which is like, I'm going to spray lighter fluid on this log Hell and like, yeah. throw matches at it. It's a fire? It yeah, it um, wasn't great. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, so, 
it didn't turn out good. Um, but you know, that was kind of my, my thing. And then I think we moved and I think I just kind of stopped following. I stopped caring. Mm. And then, um, uh, maybe like three, two or three years ago, um, I got to know a writer and she was, I think live streaming or live tweeting SummerSlam. Mm. Okay. And I said, screw it. I'll check it out. Yeah. Cause there was like a free trial with WWE network. And the first thing I saw was Ruby riot. I couldn't remember her WWE. <laughs> <laughs> Ruby riot, uh, the, the hype package for Ruby riot and Charlotte flair. Sure. Um, yeah. and I was like, Oh, this is rad as hell. Yeah. Um, and so got into that. And then I, I went with the next, um, to see a local, what I didn't know at the time was a shindy in Southern Virginia. Um, <laughs> and kind of was like, okay, actually wrestling's pretty cool. Like, uh-huh. I'm actually, really into it. um, you know, and then fast forward to 2019, I move out to Milwaukee and, um, I kind of am getting outside of the TV network only wrestling bubble. Yeah. Um, and my my boyfriend and I learn about Effie, <clears throat> and then we see that Effie is going to be wrestling at Freelance That'll in Chicago. Like, well, hey, that's an hour and a half away, and mm-hmm. I will drive an hour and a half to see a gay wrestler. Mm, yep. Um, and kind of gone from there. And so we saw two Freelance shows, and then the pandemic uh, shut everything down. Um, we were actually going to have like a brunch event that I was planning, like a watch party for Effie's Big Gay Brunch the first oh, time. Nice at our queer dive bar here in the city. Um, but obviously that didn't, sure. <laughs> didn't yeah. work out. I think, I think FS um, Queer Brunch was arguably like one of the wrestling shows which benefited from the pandemic, from like getting to give the book in a second go before they actually put the show on. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I don't remember the original card, but I'm sure if I did... I, I, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, like, there, were some, there were some changes that needed to be made. <laughs> yeah. Um, so yeah, then the pandemic hit, um, I think I kind of got to know a couple of other wrestle queers on Twitter. Mm-hmm. Um, and then from there, just kind of like, I don't have like, I don't really have straight wrestling fan friends. Mm. I just like, don't like, I have like two, <laughs> um, <laughs> but like, if you have no marginalization, like we're probably not going to be pals about wrestling yeah Um, (laughs) but um so speaking out happened and um i had done survivor support workshops um before and have like a decent kind of zine library and digitized library resources on uh transformative justice and survivor support and so i kind of got tapped to to provide some of those resources Mm. excuse me to a uh so like a little informal collective. Um, and that kind of got my name out there, I guess with, with some people and then nothing happened for a while. It was just kind of like all of us hoping that the pandemic wouldn't be as bad as it is. Mm-hmm. Um, and, uh, and then in November MV young, maybe it wasn't November sometime in the fall last year, MV young tweeted out, you know, does anybody know anything or anyone who could help with union organizing? And I volunteered and got tagged by a couple of people and, and vouched for because yeah. uh, wrestling apparently, much like like the radical scene, is you do need several vouches yeah, um, yes, to, to <laughs> get people to talk to you. Oh yes, um, 
and then it's kind of gone from there. Um, and so I'm still very much uh, a fan. Mm. Um, I do remind everybody that I don't watch wrestling. Uh, <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> I, I, I think you don't, you don't need to watch wrestling to be a fan. There's so, there's so no. much wrestling going on. You don't need to watch it. No, God, no. Like People, people I mean, like I say it a lot of the time, uh, to like absolve myself of response because there's so much, yeah, right? And I don't, so I don't watch AEW or WWE, and they're putting out like 15 hours of content a week. And I, when I finish work, I want to sit down with my partner and eat dinner and watch true crime because it's formulaic <laughs> and it's comfy and it doesn't demand me yep. to do anything. So yep. if I do watch wrestling, it's definitely something I want. Um, and it's something that I am like, all right, I'm not going to like get thrown off by some terrible plot point or promo mm-hmm. or something like that. That was me in the mentalist for the longest time. <laughs> I would just not watch anything else. I, like There was genuinely, even while I was the deepest in my wrestling, like, oh God, I need to watch everything. I would still put aside like the time just after work to just sit down, watch an episode of the mentalist because i knew exactly what would happen simon baker's strange smile will get you through a lot of hard nights okay mentalist is a fucking good show and i will die on that hill it's an incredible show but simon baker is hot as fuck in that show let's get back to the interview anyway listen we can yeah that's a later conversation you're on a queer you're on a queer wrestling podcast you know what you're getting into um I, I do endorse the yeah. just get high and 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 watch Cutthroat Kitchen at eleven thirty oh, at night. Yeah. Oh yeah, until finally you try to try to go to sleep. But yeah, so I kind of um, <laughs> since last fall, um, you know, I, I I spoke with MV, um, and despite being like a pack a day smoker for several years at that point, somehow managed to light my hair on fire while on the phone with him, which is like a excuse really good, me, yeah. Um, I don't really understand how it happened. Uh, and I don't smoke anymore, so I really, like, I smoke <laughs> weed. But, like, I don't smoke cigarettes anymore. And so yes. I was like, I don't really know how I would recreate this, like, not deliberately. But, uh, you know. Um, hey, hey, so can, I I give, got, can I give a suggestion? Don't recreate yeah. it. Don't. <laughs> I, it might be, it was kind of cool if it wasn't, you know, dangerous and a little yeah. startling. Uh-huh. Um, hair crackles a little bit more than I thought it would. It but, sure uh, does. But, yeah. <laughs> But yeah, there are easier um, ways to get rid of your hair, <laughs> like way easier ways. The DHT is is really trying. Um, <laughs> it's my least favorite hormone. Um, you know, yeah. I don't have anything against testosterone, but DHT is really just kicking my ass. <laughs> um, but uh, but yeah, so I spoke with with MB and um, we we spoke, and then it's kind of gone from there um, to kind of slowly build contacts and get to know folks mm. i still do a lot of trying to touch base with people make new contacts and also feeling like wow i'm really overstretching myself i should slow down um so, <laughs> no, I mean, so it, yeah it's natural it's you know both natural to think that and also like you should probably listen to that sometimes yeah. right like i've i've done enough organizing to know that i I'm approaching burnout and need to adjust, mm-hmm. but there's a lot of things that people carry over into organizing, especially if, even if they're anti-capitalists, mm. uh, that are capitalist mindsets and that, that kind of burnout grind, make yourself a martyr for the revolution bullshit really is entrenched. Uh, yeah. and so it's been, <laughs> it's been a thing here. Mm. So I, I actually wanted to talk to you about like, cause you, 
you have a really extensive background in organizing and like radicalizing and working and training people and instructing people on how to how to do this work how like how did you get into actually like i i get how from an ideological standpoint you become interested in it and all that stuff just comes from having basic human empathy uh, you'd think but like how did you go from just being at that point to like actually doing the work and becoming someone who has so much experience in doing that sort of work um so i i guess i'd hesitate to call it extensive but i also don't know how to grade or like rank anything like that yeah that's um, fair, that's fair. So like the, the easiest when, way to say that i started with was uh i think i was like 22 and i got so i met this I met this girl at a party who was in the socialist labor party. And she asked me, how did you get radicalized? Um, and I was like, well, I stumbled on like Pete Seeger on Pandora back when mm-hmm. people use that yep. uh, to listen to music, <clears throat> which got me into Utah Phillips. And if you ever listen to Utah Phillips, he does yeah. like a song and then he speaks for like 15 minutes. Mm-hmm. And it's just like, he's being entertaining, but it is also just like a historical info dump about people that he used to hang out with that you can't find in a book. Um, (laughs) so, um, so that kind of like got me thinking about certain things. And then I, I wound up working night shift at a kitchen in the hospital, um, in the, the city I worked and it was awful. Uh, it was soul crushing. Um, (laughs) and I, not really knowing what I was doing agitated a lot at that job. Um, Mm -hmm. Like I did all the things that I tell people not to do, (laughs) (laughs) Um, you know, like talking about unionizing and organizing while at work within your manager Um, (laughs) and, and stuff like that. And I actually almost led a work shutdown, like a stoppage um, one morning with the, the first shift people who who came in um but you know the the managers kind of started calling people into their office one by one uh uh, and i shook that up so you know i did i did like the jesse ventura shit you get up in front of everybody and then you say hey we should form a union you can talk to me and then um bad things or nothing happens so that was like my my kind of entry point Mm. um and then i I did reporting as like a freelance reporter for like six months. Okay. And I wanted to do investigative journalism, but they were also like, why don't you just cover city hall meetings? <laughs> um, which I had like a great tagline because they were like, this, this, this writer is politically inexperienced and they're pair dropping into the, I don't know. I had a really good editor. He really liked me. Um, you know, it was pretty much just like, this person doesn't know what's going on. And I was like, I don't. <laughs> <laughs> and so, uh, we're talking about, we're talking about the budget for the, uh, for the city for the year. And if you ever go to your municipal budget meeting for the year, um, don't, <laughs> it's six hours long yeah. and it's terrible, but they were, the city was discussing merit pay, um, switching to merit pay instead of just regular salary increases. And this mm-hmm. old fella gets up there. And he kind of goes on about, you know, this is anti-workers' rights and who's who gets to decide what merit is. And it's it's not really good for anyone. And he makes a lot of really good points. And he, he like, leaves. But I see his shirt 
has some letters on it. And, uh, <laughs> and I'm like, cool, I'm gonna try to track them down. So I try to track down this group for like three months until I get a real, uh, I get another, I get a real job, uh, <laughs> at the county. <laughs> And they're all, one day I go in for my lunch break and they're like, oh, we're reading your coverage of the, the city hall meeting. And I'm like, that's cool. Uh, and the guy who is like my new coworker who has an office across the hall from me, he's like, oh, you mentioned coalition against racism. Well, I'm the treasurer. And I'm like, shit. Oh, shit. I'm like for, for, for <laughs> like forever. Um, and so I started to kind of get to know those folks. Um, and those are... They're still around, um, but they've been active down there for about 30 years in North Jesus. Carolina. Um, and so the guy who spoke at the city hall meeting when I saw him was, uh, he was in the student nonviolent coordinate, coordinating committees. He, uh, ran with the young Lords in, in like New York city, uh, back in like the seventies. Um, <laughs> he's been around. He, yeah. You know, he's, he's, uh, I would, I would say he's one of the guys who kind of turned into my mentor. Um, yeah. And around that time, I did make contact with, through another friend who was uh, an actual journalist, um, <laughs> with the IWW, because we were just kind of like, what if they exist and, they, and, they were, and they're worth a damn? Um, and this was around, I think this was the, the election, right around the election that Trump won. Mm-hmm. Um, and so everybody was kind of going into overdrive. Um, yeah, yeah. And so... I got involved with the general defense committee, um, in Raleigh, Durham, um, and stop me if I'm going too fast and just dropping a lot of shit, but, (laughs) but, um, so I, I attended their, they had a tour, a speaking tour, um, called a community self-defense tour Mm. and they would do kind of like a talk panel. Um, and then if your local, like your, your, your local union branch or whatever had, had the capacity to do it in the attendance, they would do a, a, they call it a picket training. Um, the name for it has changed a couple of times. I generally kind of call it a direct action and marshalling training. Okay. So we did that and I was kind of like, Oh, this is actual like stuff, how to do things instead of, yeah, you know, passing down ancient knowledge, uh, bits and bits. Like, <laughs> cause like I would take a class on this. Um, and so I helped start a couple of IWW locals, um, in the Southeast. Uh, and then as I kind of did more and met more people, um, you know, I, I, <laughs> I learned how to organize in a more intentional way. I'll say, Mm, okay um and eventually kind of the i have a lot of issues with the iww and we won't get into all of those um but (laughs) sure but um they have a training committee and they're ostensibly supposed to um maintain like the coursework and the curriculum and everything for that workshop um and you have to get certified you know, to, to facilitate it or become a trainer, as they say. Yeah, yeah. Um, and I did that for year, year and a half, um, along with some other workshops, like the direct action one, the survivor support one, um, some other ones that I picked up from a couple of conventions and, and connections that I made with other organizers who had been working on stuff. So, um, 
Yeah, I left in like 2019. Um, like right before the pandemic, right? Or like yeah, like, right, like 2020 yeah. was I think when I told them they weren't getting another red cent out of me. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> and uh, and yeah, and so I still I still have all that stuff. I've I've adapted a lot of it and rewritten stuff, and and my my physical copy of like the pamphlets and everything is just full of notes mm, and, sure. and everything like that. So I, I don't, I don't claim to do the IWW's OT 101 organizer training 101. Um, yeah. <laughs> I actually, you know, feel like I've kind of distilled down a lot of the stuff. And I think a lot of other people have the, 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 the things that you could get at a labor notes conference in the United States or uh, a union organizer training with like unite here or the AFL CIO or, or any other union, they like, they all draw water from the same well um, that the IWW does. So like, there's a lot of just same stuff phrased different ways. Like I said earlier, I would love to hear you talk about the difference between using the term for for the independent wrestling scene specifically which is what you're sort of involved in and pushing for right now like the difference between unionizing and collective organizing and why that difference matters i would love to hear you talk a bit on that so i don't like calling it unionizing because it's a very narrow definition um, mm-hmm. and if we were doing like an OT 101 and I had a big old whiteboard, then I would be like, what are some words or things that you associate with the word union? And you would throw out a bunch of things and they would probably be corruption. The same maybe, I would add like, maybe I'd add one of them, like mafia, like yeah. who knows? Yeah. Um, but, but like it's, it has a very kind of narrow definition, especially in say the United States. Um, like most, it's like, it used to be that you could just kill anybody trying to organize a union. Mm. Um, like you just you'd just have a, a guy that you hired, you know, um, and he would show up with a, with a rifle and he would just kill the union organizer. Yeah. Um, and they would shrug their shoulders and go back and go, go keep doing what they were doing. Um, and then at some point, you know, um, they said, well, you can't do that. <laughs> uh, and so you got to be sneaky. And then, they kept, and then they kept doing it for a while. Right. They kept doing it for a while. Yeah. And then, and then they were like, okay, you really got to stop because people don't like it when you kill union organizers. Um, people say Simon says, but, so then, say Simon says stop right, killing right. union organizers. <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, after, after like Blair Mountain, they were like, we really got to try a different way. Um, and so, uh, so in the United States, they created kind of um, an accepted legal state-backed government endorsed way to to have a union right Mm. Uh and um i think that the national labor relations act um it restrained unions they made them institutions Mm. um and when i when i say that i mean like now if so like well the united mine workers went out on wildcat strikes in like the 80s and so the um the government pretty much just facilitated them getting sued into the ground for, for breaching contract, right? Yeah. This is an illegal, illegal strike that violated the contract they yeah. negotiated. Wildcats and um, solidarity actions effectively elite criminalized as a consequence of right. the new union legislation. Right, because the Teamsters would show up to your city and say, oh, anybody who drives transport is in the Teamsters now, and 
if the company said no, they would just say, okay, well, you're not getting anything. <laughs> yeah. You're not getting food deliveries. You're not getting medicine. You're not getting anything that you wanted trucked or transported in. You're not getting it. And they would just starve the city out until they, <laughs> they won the strike. And so they, they're like, you can't keep doing that. Um, that's too much. So you can't have secondary strikes, solidarity strikes anymore. So there's a lot of um, what I think are constraints that are put on unions as we think of them in the United States. Mm-hmm. Additionally, mm-hmm. I think that once you create a, a very concrete institution, I don't mean just like you have headquarters, um, you become less flexible and you start to have a mindset that becomes a little more entrenched. Mm-hmm. And that means that if there are new tactics or strategies or complete overhauls to things, it's more difficult to take those on board. Um, yeah. And I also think that a lot of folks, when they think of unions, they have a very specific and narrow idea of what the union gets involved in. Right. Mm-hmm. So, you know, we talk about like the bread and butter, um, focus that a lot of unions have, which is paying benefits. Yeah. yeah. But like the union should also be actively engaged in making sure that the workplace is like not rife with sexual and racial harassment. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, you, you can't separate the social yeah. environmental factors of like protecting employees from just the pure economic negotiation factors because, you know, those all influence each other and feed into each other. Right. And and the thing that that really got me on board with the GDC when I when I met them was that they they straight up said this idea that you cease to be a worker once you walk off the company's property is preposterous because mm. like why so like if the union's all gung ho you know and makes all these claims though we're inclusive we love we love queer people um which they won't say queer cuz they'll say lgbtq um <laughs> but uh you know they'll say we love our lgbtq workers we stand with them and like okay but if there's some Nazis waiting on the street corner a couple blocks away from the shop and I get jumped on the way home and I go to the union and I say, Hey, what are you going to do to help, help protect me? And they don't say, all right, we're going to figure it out. Mm. There's nothing to talk about with them anymore. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I don't, so I, I don't think that using the term unionization is always the best because it, I think it's limiting. Mm. Um, and I think that organizing is a far more expansive, collaborative, and creative term to use because it doesn't really imply anything other than like we're all going to get together and do yeah. a thing. <laughs> the cooperative cooperation and solidarity. Do stuff with your friends and get things. Is yeah. Like... <laughs> I can I can imagine it's also like because in when it comes to independent wrestling, like depending on where you are who you are and like who you're getting hired by things can look so incredibly different that if you have mm-hmm. if you're working to unionize and establish one of those like you said a foundation or a um institution in that way i can imagine that it would become just untenable to like actually account for all the different um circumstances that you'd need to account for mm. even across the u.s not to even talk about mm. across other countries yeah i mean i imagine right. the u.s just legally it would be so complicated with like the federal law and also the state by state law 
and the way those interact and what gets interpreted what way, blah, blah, blah. Right. And there's even, you know, some cities and municipalities have their own sub rules. Mm, Um, Like North Carolina is, um, I forget what they call it, but pretty much like the, the state of North Carolina, the, the cities don't have any authority. It's all whatever the state feels like letting them do. Mm. Um, So like HB2, which uh, a lot of people know is the bathroom bill, um, (laughs) which is like the first one that everybody really heard about. Um, Mm -hmm. You know, a lot of cities said that they weren't going to comply or that they, they passed their own legislation or policy or statutes to, to kind of counter it. Mm. Um, And the general assembly in the state of North Carolina said, well, it's too bad. You don't have any, you don't have any right to to say, (laughs) say that you're under us. We're over Um, you. We're right. Yeah. yeah. (laughs) Right. Um, Which is like a wild situation because, Cause you're, you know, you're sitting there and you're, you know, when, when I work at the County, like for the County itself. And one of the things that's wild when you work for a a County or you're active at that kind of like community or municipal level is that they all hate the state. (laughs) They hate the state. They sometimes hate the state more than they hate the federal government. (laughs) It's like a weird, like, you're like, okay. And you're like, oh, this guy's not like a day to day. Right. You know, like this guy has like a Gadsden flag, like a don't tread on me oh, flag. Christ. And he's like a Jesus. sovereign citizen. But, and he's like, I do think it's messed up that the state says that, that the, the city can't do this and that. And I'm like, okay, but like, you still want to kill me. Like, like, um, <laughs> you so can say that I, all you want. I ain't going to feel safe around you. Right. Um, <laughs> but I, I think, um, you know, way back, some, some folks were like, I'm, I think one of my, my, my Dutch friends was like, oh, the United States is like Europe. Everybody kind of does their own thing. And they're like vaguely generally bound together by the European Union. And I was like, mm. that's fair. Um, yeah. So like I when I was learning about my first conversation with MB and he was telling me about the New York City, not New York City, New York State Sports Commission. Yeah. Um, which is like a huge pain in the ass. <laughs> um, and. I was hearing about all of the the rules and permits and yada, yada, yada. Mm. And then this was before the collective, the, the, the collective they had in Indiana. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I was like, well, why'd they pick Indiana? And then he goes, Oh, they don't have a commission there. You can do whatever you want. So I was like, Oh, okay. <laughs> like, <laughs> that, yeah. That would like, do it. Um, and like DC, I don't know if you've ever watched, um, the original Butch versus Gore, um, or any of the old, like primetime, pro wrestling um bits like you'll notice occasionally that they'll mention stuff like you they'll say fuck and they'll be like oh that's like our one before the commission shuts us down yeah, and I like, yeah, yeah. i'm like pretty sure that that's like pretty true <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah absolutely um so there are a lot of different different things and like i kind of got into it with some rando um yesterday i guess it was yesterday who said that you know he doesn't he won't book someone again if they talk, talk about, about the pay. pay. Yeah, I was going to ask you about <laughs> um, this. I did see this happen. And, that's and this such was, a fucking classic move, too. Uh, like, oh no, it's so it's so gauche to talk about your pay with the rest of your workers. This it's guy so, was specifically a oh booker as well. And sorry, Nino, oh, I don't, don't want to. Tre- I don't want to tread on your story, Nino. But I do know because mm. I saw it that the guy was like, 
oh, talking about pay hurts workers, like, as if what he wasn't admitting to that is that he's the one who will hurt workers if they talk yeah. about the pay. Right. Um, and, and so, so you know, I, I, I said to him, I was like, wow, that's you. Like, I, I screenshotted the, the section of the Na- National Labor uh, Relations Act mm. and the federal statute that says that you can't, you can't keep your workers from discussing pay. And, you know, that counts as retaliation if you take action about it. Mm. Um, and, you know, he was like, oh, then sue me then. And I was like, <laughs> I was like, man, you tell me not to. I'm spiteful. I'll do it right now. Mm. Um, <laughs> yeah. like, I'll, start looking at, I'll start looking at lawyers. And, you know, like the thing is, like, he's not a wrestling company. Mm. He's a um, guy. He's right. Because the thing that I learned very quick is that any, any dumbass with money can run a wrestling show. Mm. And that is not to say that there are not wrestling promotions or people who put on shows that are very intentional and empathetic mm. and smart and whatnot. But like a lot of these guys would not make it through a business one-on-one course. Um, yeah. A lot of these guys just want to do a thing and they have a lot of disposable income where they have some guy who says, I'll give you the money. Just do whatever you want. Mm. Cause I want and they're happy it. to take that financial hit cause they just yeah. want to see the thing done. Right. And there's, you know, there's happy, useful idiots out there who, you know, they'll do the fantasy booking for some guy who's got way too much money um, and (laughs) and they're happy to be there. And sure. But like this guy doesn't run a company. He doesn't run a promotion. He just does an event. Mm -hmm. Um, And like he talked to us, look, it's a fundraiser. Great. (laughs) Great. Um, All sorts of shit is good and bad. Um, (laughs) (laughs) um, Hey, have you heard of this thing called like it's not. Right. And then later on, he's like, uh, well, it's not a contract. It's an agreement. And I'm mm. like, okay, man. Like, that's the right. same thing. That's right. Just, yeah. Right. I, I, I don't like, know. One's, sorry. One's written. One's written, right? One's written down. And sure. Signed, sure. And the yeah, other yeah. one's in agreement. So, like, when we talk about, what? I'm going to throw it out there GCW signs so and so. GCW didn't sign, though. Brett Lauderdale is not sending a. No, everyone's exclusive... on a match to match at most, if, <laughs> if anything. <laughs> right. Um, and so like it is, it's all over the place. And so when you talk about the different laws and statutes and regulations from state to state or against like, it is, it's also that no one's, no one's regulating it in the first place. Mm, WWE yeah. or AEW have more regulation because they're televised, right? Mm, sure. Um, and like, obviously it's, it's kind of sort of a sports event. I think once you get to a certain number of crowd and also once you have to get insurance, because like I, I bet you that those insurance policies and everything for all those um, events that WWE and AEW are pretty mm. sizable. You have to do certain things um, to get those insurance policies in place so that you can run those shows. And like if you're just, I'm gonna say Butch versus Gore, um, not to not to say that they don't have obstacles or metrics that they have to meet to run a show in chicago Mm. but like it's different than it is at the palladium in worcester massachusetts when wwe smackdown rolls into town right yes and just in general like applying applying the sort of thinking and methods that you could potentially use for the independent scene to the sort of things that would be available to you in a company such as AEW, WWE, like they'd have to be completely different. Mm. Like I can't imagine, I can't imagine 
something that would work on the indie level, say the New York indie scene or something like that, would also work exactly the same inside of WWE, right? Like mm. you'd have to do completely different methods, a completely different approach to things. Yeah, you have you have to uh, adjust to the circumstances that you have yeah. where you yeah. have them. I, th- I think like cause a lot of the things you were just saying, I think contrast very well with the state of things in the UK. Um, like I'm still an early trainee. I've never worked a show, so like I'm not in a union as a wrestler or anything like that yet. Because you know, mm-hmm. no one's pay- no one's paying for me that for that, so <laughs> I haven't felt the need uh, as of yet. But I know that uh, there was work for um, Equity, which is like a, just a, a creators workers union in general, mm-hmm. to like started actively trying to recruit wrestlers. Um, and part of the thing that equity would teach them was like, Hey, no, when a shitty promoter, like says in your DM that you're getting this much money, that's not an agreement. That's a contract that is written Mm. like that legally counts as a contract. And, you know, whereas, you know, uh, this could lead us into a good conversation about like, you know, one of the notes that Envy has down here is like, oh, why don't you want to be part of SAG or insert <laughs> other already established actor crew, athletes union, whatever here? Like, you know, like how like what it like what is the you know That's one of those questions I see pop up constantly mm-hmm. when unionization and wrestling is brought up. Like, oh, they should just they should be part of SAG. They should be part of Yeah, insert mm union here you know but like 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 we heard you say in the in the twitter spaces you ran the twitter space you ran recently you know it seems a lot of unions at least in in the states probably aren't willing to pick anything up until it's nearly done Mm. uh so it's like at that point what are the what are the benefits you're getting from that arrangement like whereas somewhere like equity may say well once you're a member you can access our legal team so that when this dickhead says sue me then you actually can sue him <laughs> and you don't really have to worry about it you know like uh what are the what what's like the cost benefit analysis look like even or even just viability of like wrestlers being able to join some other guild or union versus having to carve something out for themselves so here's the wild thing mm. Um, SAG, you ask any wrestler, SAG does not, it does not like wrestling. It looks down mm. on wrestlers. Everyone looks down as wrestlers. They think it's lowbrow. Um, they think it's not art. They think it's not this, that, the other thing. Obviously, sports at like athletics unions, I don't actually know what, what they are. Um, <laughs> I couldn't name it, but like to them, it's not a sport. It's an entertainment. It's an art form. Um, yeah. And so they, 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 they kind of keep them out. Um, so it was really wild to me when Zelina Vega, um, <laughs> said, I support unionization and SAG after mm-hmm. president was like, we should, we should talk. And I was like, what are you going to talk yeah. about? And I, and I thought about it and I was like, oh, you want that Twitch money? Like, <laughs> like, <laughs> cause, like cause like SAG dues, like every union does dues differently. Right. Mm. I, I like the way that the IWW does it. Um, not to point anyone to the IWW, but it's, it's all voluntary. You, you pay out of your pocket to them and it's, it's scaled based on, um, you know, uh, honor code, um, salary that you make. So like when I wasn't really making anything, I paid, I think seven bucks, a sub minimum uh, a month, mm. which like, isn't too bad. Um, and I think like the maximum that they, 
they have for dues is like 33 a month, um, which is not, it's, it's not too bad. Um, SAG, like you're paying in a lot of, in a lot of unions, you're paying a big upfront fee. Um, first month's dues. It's almost, sometimes it sounds like you're about to rent an apartment. <laughs> you have to have a mm. security deposit and first month's rent, um, and all this other stuff. And that comes up to a lot of money for, for a lot of people. And that's not to like discourage yeah, yeah. someone from joining a union because in, in my experience and in, in my analysis, um, it is always better to be in the union than not. <laughs> um, mm. it's just once you get in the union, I am very apt and quick. And a lot of other people are to look around and say, this could be better. Um, yeah. mm. and, and it is, it becomes very much a, a case of trying to reform the thing from, from the inside. Um, which I don't, I, I don't think you should do that. <laughs> you should <laughs> build your own thing. But, um, like, yeah, I don't, SAG doesn't want to, um, mm. I thought, um, I'd see, it's just mostly like stage hands. I see mm. does a lot of um, like most of the people who do tech and production work in WWE. I, I'm 90% sure are in that. They're represented by that union. Um, and also they're getting ready for a, a strike. So um, going yeah, support yeah, I've heard. <laughs> you can. Um, We've had some conversations about that in the Southport discord. We've got uh, yeah. union members <laughs> who are also Southport members. Right. And, Every, and everyone and in so, South Pole is canceling the Netflix. <laughs> <laughs> hey, if that's what's asked for, uh, it hasn't been officially happening. asked for yet. We're just doing it out of spite. Carry on, please. <laughs> but um, but yeah, like I, I figured, I'd see would be um, you know, a, a good angle. But like, they're not. Most unions are not just casting a net to see who wants wants it because it does take money. Mm. Right? If you send an organizer, I. I I interviewed with um, IAMS, <clears throat> I think like two months ago, and and they were like, "Oh, we have you know a machinists campaign out in Idaho, and you would we would fly you out there, and you'd be in a hotel for three months, and you'd go home once a once a month for the weekend, and you would just be there organizing because we have entrenched assets, and we see you know that this campaign could lead to an election, which could." lead to a contract which would mean that our union membership would increase out there mm -hmm. and like that's a big investment it's a really yeah. big investment because you, you know let's let's also not just like focus on like you got to pay someone's salary um you got to cover their hotel and their transportation and their food not all the food apparently um <laughs> and um and also you're paying for agitation materials you're maybe paying mm. for meeting spaces or workshops maybe you're paying to rent out space so that you can have events or you're investing money in um i hesitate to call it like advertising but like mail communications or phone banking to to reach out to workers to try to get them to turn out for this contract and you're doing signage and posters and all this other stuff and like for for like a traditional trade union campaign in the united states like that costs money and yeah. like i get it because you're also like that's dues money that's people's money that they paid you to organize and represent you and if you're pissing it away then people might get mad at you um now i think that's another big chunk of it but like uh, i think i mentioned it in the spaces is like vet techs um in I think California, um, got together through like a Reddit 
where they all realize, oddly enough, that their their veterinary offices and the clinics they worked at were owned by Mars, like the candy company. Um, huh. And found that as like a point of relation and then unionized. Like they organized a handful of clinics. And yeah. the first, like they, when you, when you get to that point, right. And you like get your recognition, either voluntary or, or, or otherwise, um, you get to a contract point. A lot of unions will say, okay, uh, we'll, we'll, we'll take you on board. We'll represent you. Um, mm. And they picked the United Auto Workers, which is like, they're not they're not in Detroit punching out Chryslers like yeah <laughs> they're weighing your dog okay so I I think um it's That's a wild choice but if it works I guess right like I I know a lot of people who are in wild trade unions that don't necessarily match their profession because mm-hmm. at some point every trade union that says okay you're you need to go look somewhere else because that's not our craft that's not our trade does have a moment that they say well i'll take your money sure (laughs) um so i think it's kind of strange um like sag and ic don't want to put money in but also you know billy dixon has been vocal about saying there's not money in this yeah and i think yeah i think a lot of the time um the money doesn't start coming until you get to like a network deal, right? Cause WWE mm-hmm. doesn't make money off of wrestling. It makes money off of network contracts. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah I mean, I've, right. I've been saying since the start of the pandemic to envy, I'm like, I, I you know, a lot of things have been added to IWTV. Like obviously they're doing a lot of contracts. They've even got some British wrestling on there now. Mm-hmm. Uh, but like, I, you know, I, I just, I, I've been saying over and over again, like both to myself and anyone who'll listen, like, I don't get why some workers don't just get together with some camera equipment and, you know, like, just have a co-op and try and put together like some no crowd shows because like people are doing that anyway and see if mm. you can get a little deal off of it and maybe that'll launch you forward you know who know I don't, which is like you know maybe a pie in the sky thing but it seemed to me that like during the spaces a lot of the concern and maybe this is just a realistic part of like organizing in where you know that you're going to have to be negotiating and like you said earlier a lot of the people that negotiating with are dickheads mm-hmm. <laughs> is like uh you know how do or maybe dickheads is strong but you know don't manage the business side of things well is like how do we make this more profitable for the promoter so that like the promoter will pay us more equally sort of thing uh i know in the spaces you you were a bit vocal about that so i thought i'd maybe just give you a chance to but you want to talk about that now (laughs) (laughs) i um so i guess i kind of approach it from from the perspective of um, WWE wants to make money. Vince McMahon wants to make money. And so he has to put on wrestling. Um, Billy Dixon loves wrestling. And so he has to make money. Mm. Um, and I think that's kind of like the, the go-to, um, explainer here. And so I, I think it's a different point of operation. Um, which is that, you know, Billy wants to make sure that everybody's going to get taken care of. MV wants to make sure that everybody's going to be taken care of. Low, um, you know, wants to make sure that anybody who works in the show is going to get taken care of. Um, and that that's not like an arguable point. 
Um, there's, mm. they're not going to, they're not going to go to a worker and say, I'm sorry, you just got to eat this one. <laughs> like, I don't think that those three would conscionably be able to like sit with that. Um, mm-hmm. and I, I think once you start looking at it from the perspective of what do we need to do to put on a wrestling show where everybody gets taken care of or has their needs met, um, that you get a lot more flexibility. Um, which like I have personal opinions about how some other promotions seem to run, um, mm. which is that I want to run a, I want to run a, an event and, you know, I'll, I'll pressure or manipulate or bring on whoever to make sure that that happens. Um, yeah. So I, I think, you know, especially when they, they got to talking about merch sales and stuff like that, is that they make, they make more money off of a merch sale than a show. Yeah. Mm. Who am I to say that? Um, oh my goodness. I forgot his name. The, uh, the fellow who's officially sponsored by Natty light. Ah, uh, the the natural light heavyweight. Uh, yeah. I've also forgot his name. <laughs> I, I, <laughs> He's one know, of the two members of the Lost Boys whose names I don't know off the top of my head. I have, you know, because I lived in North Carolina for so long, and that that was the thing for ECU students. Mm. I I kind of just have like a knee jerk no reaction to Natty Light. Uh, <laughs> so so that's like a, a chunk of it. Um, but like, is it is it Bradley the Natter Day Saint? Yes. <laughs> I love him. He's really very uh, that, that gimmick he's, rules he's entertaining so as hell, much. but my brain is just like mm, natural light. Uh-uh. <laughs> That's not the, the nat. I need to the natural light heavyweight natter day saint the natty daddy de- Bradley Prescott <laughs> the fourth. Bradley Prescott the fourth. Bradley Thank you very much. Prescott the fourth looks like a kid that I would get into a fight with at Christie's Europa in yeah. Greenville, North Carolina. One hundred percent. Like he's someone who I'd like start talking to at the bar and like I think we're like playfully jabbing at each other, but it turns out he's a lot drunker than I thought he was. <laughs> I'd be like, man, you gotta shut the hell up, or I'm gonna throw you in the river. Like, and that would be that. But like, you know, he's he's get I hope he's getting paid real well by natural light. I don't know for sure. I hope so. Um, see, the thing is, is, it's it's on the same logic we were just talking about. It, I could see it being like I I don't know the situation at all. This is pure just me talking out my ass. But you know, it could could be a case of like, oh, well, if I get this sponsorship, regardless of how much they pay me, you know, that's a good gimmick. Uh-huh. <laughs> don't want to turn yeah. that gimmick down. Right. This is this is extremely like. Also, I want to shout out that he has put his uh, location, uh, like where he's from, uh, on Twitter as your local frat house. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> want to shout that out. Uh, this is extremely like me always saying that. Um, uh, what the fuck are their names? Angelico and Jack Evans. Jack the Evans should too. get should yeah hybrid to, should work on getting uh, sponsored by Monster Energy. <laughs> They've got, they've got the that look for just, it. They do, they do. They, I don't know how old those two are, but I want to bully them because they, they seem to me like they are simultaneously in their forties or their twenties. Mm-hmm. And I think Monster Energy is early thirties, and Jack Evans <laughs> late thirties, if I had to guess. <laughs> but you know, hey, I don't know. I don't watch wrestling, so I don't, you know. Uh, <laughs> Fair. You know what? God. And bless you for that. Honestly, <laughs> we need more perspectives on this show from people who don't watch wrestling. I, I'm hey, I always, I always like to remind everybody, I'm not being negative. I'm being right, um, and I don't watch wrestling, <laughs> sure. and it helps me have more right opinions. Um, <laughs> but 
but yeah, I, I think, um, I'm sorry. I feel like I've gotten a little bit off on a tangent. Um, oh, no like how to, how to, okay. so like the, the co-op idea that you had, mm. um, like I guarantee you that if I go and I ask Chris Kazama, Hey, you ever heard anything like that? He'll be like, Oh yeah. Here's like four examples and give me a lot of really of good. It, um, no, just, just, well, <laughs> there are, I don't think that mm. the intent was for it to become like a commercial success necessarily. Yeah. Or, yeah. Or the people who put it on moved on to other projects or promotions or careers or, or what have you. Um, like I, um, I love hearing about the backyard scene. I love it. Um, mm. cause there is some fucking anarchist international backyard confederation yeah. stuff going on. Um, like years ago. That is hell yeah. That is so cool <laughs> and mm. ad hoc and thrown together um, and DIY, and I love every bit of it. Um, but like, you know, I don't know if their intent was well. Maybe we'll get a TV deal. Um, m- maybe it was. Maybe it wasn't. And also, like, were the conditions right back then um, for something like this? Like, I, I I get asked once in a while about like, well, means TV. What if we? What if yeah. we trying to get a a wrestling show on means TV. And I'm like, well, means TV seems like not my, I feel like they'd pick one up if it was, if they felt it was the right fit, but right. I, I, I don't know. What goes how many in wrestling me. fans are going to watch that are going to get a means TV subscription though, to watch it <laughs> versus just people who already have that subscription who are wrestling fans. Well, like first of all, who has a means TV subscription? Um, I had one for a while. Okay. Um, like I'm going to look it up real quick just to be <laughs> <laughs> to be like how how many can I can I find out how many subscribers? I'm being you you can I'm being quiet because I don't know what means TV is. Me, means I have TV no is idea a, what either a, of you're talking about. Means TV is a co as is, is a streaming service that's a a co-op, and you know the the people who are behind it got big from making AOC's campaign videos. Uh, Interesting. But, okay. Yeah, it's but you know they have it set up so it's like if you can't afford the subscription you can email them and they'll just sort you out and mm. no questions huh. asked so just right. yeah just at a at a glance they have 2200 subscribers okay. um and so i don't like i don't know what their budgets are or anything like that um but my my major thing is you know if somebody asked me should i should i get on means tv um you know after looking at means tv and watching a little bit of it i'm like well if you did like i'd be worried um because they don't <laughs> seem like people that i would ever want to associate with but mm. get the money get the audience figure it out um yeah you know i i think um but i think the co-op idea that that you've kind of put out there is more in focus with what i figure would work in that it's it's based around finding what works and making it work and mm. building it in a way that functions for everyone um, instead of just trying to figure out how do I get, how do I get on WWE? How do I get a, mm. a TV deal? It is more focused on, we want to do wrestling. We want to do it in a way that everybody gets taken care of. We want to make, and we know our, we might not eat, we might eat shit and not make a lot of money off of it, but we're doing it in a way that we've agreed upon amongst ourselves as opposed to just one person's told us how it's going to be. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, I think that there's a lot to that. Um, and, you know, my whole thing is, why are you going to try to recreate the AFL-CIO when you could just make your own thing that works for you? 
Mm-hmm. Yeah. Why why bother trying to to fit into that box? And like that doesn't even necessarily have to be a huge thing. Like if you're if you're a part of a local indie wrestling scene, like uh something you talked about in the Twitter spaces you did was just like the or maybe it was a was a question asker who brought it up, I don't remember, but just like how to be able to make that work, you need equal amounts of information between the people hiring you and the people being hired. Mm. And like just something as simple as establishing a Facebook hidden Facebook group or a group DM with like professional wrestlers in your area, mm. sharing information about promoters. Uh, this guy is, you know, he's good for the money, but he might pay you late. Uh, this promotion is like bad with this sort of stuff. This promotion doesn't pay you on time, like all that kind of stuff, which is information that every single promotion has about every single wrestler because the promoters are doing that shit. I guarantee you. But like, is that like, that is such a, that feels to me like such a simple thing of just make a group DM, you know? So like, it doesn't necessarily have to be. I can I can imagine a lot of people when they imagine organizing like this is a huge thing that we're going to undertake but like it can be as simple as making a hidden Facebook group and just talking to each other. So like what what do you think or is that is that wrong am I just completely uh talking out of my ass there or is there like what if if it is that easy or if that is a part of it why aren't people doing that? So um <laughs> so when we when we first started out um envy was just like oh, you just we'll just have a meeting do you think that we should just have like a a, mm-hmm. a, a meeting um and i am always like no because one there's too many damn meetings um i'm tired of meetings yep. i now have have work meetings at my job and i hate them and i don't want to do meetings in my free time <laughs> Um, and yeah. I, that was, you know, that's a big thing of, of what I like during the uprise since here last year, when we were doing logistics, um, work to support the protests and like, we got invited to like a meeting one morning and it was just a massive waste of time. And I was like, I could be working, like, <laughs> like I could be, I could mm-hmm. be putting stuff together. I could be working on, um, communications, networking and everything to figure out, you know, who my runners are going to be for the day and all this other stuff. Um, I was like, this is pointless. Like, <laughs> this is just like a waste of time. Thank you for the black coffee, but I'm going to go. Um, and like, <laughs> so I, I, I'm very much like, mm, no more extra meetings, especially if the meeting could be an email. Um, but the thing that I will always come back to is that organizing is so relational. Um, and you don't know everything about everybody. So like when I, I started talking with some folks who flat out are like, yeah, we can talk, but like, it's gotta be off the record. Nobody, nobody can know that, that we're talking because like, I don't want to lose money. Like I don't want to lose bookings. I yeah. want to work for sure, trying to get sure. on TV, you know? And I'm like, sure, definitely. And so when yeah, I, I'm not getting a contract, if I'm known as the labor guy, <laughs> right. Um, which is like, not to say that I'm like influential or well-known enough that like, mm. I'm, on a, I'm on a list that, um, shit, what's his name? Bruce Pritchard who I oh, God. I don't know anything about. Who? Um, I don't know who Bruce Pritchard is. 
he has me on a list where the less you know the better he he googles my name and the wrestler's name that he wants to sign and if we are in a shared tweet he's like "Mm -mm." um like (laughs) i don't think that it's like that but like um i don't want brett lauderdale who i talk shit on constantly to not book somebody because they talk to me um yeah and i you know i don't want to throw 20 people into a a teams meeting that I've had conversations with and they don't know who's going to be in there. And one of those people has an issue with somebody else and then tells a promoter, don't don't fucking Mm -hmm. book them here anymore. I'm done with it. Uh, or something like that. And so like the group chat, throw everybody into a group chat to talk about organizing, um, is really a gamble. And I don't like, (laughs) I don't like taking risks like that. Um, unless there's like, a real good payoff. Um, and so like having a big meeting without like a clear agenda and without really establishing where people are at in relation to something like this, um, the meetings can really break down. Um, they can turn into impromptu speak outs where everybody is just kind of sharing grievances, which is fine. Mm -hmm. But like, it's not what you're there to do. Um, also like there's a lot of catharsis more than organizing, right? There's a lot of group chats already where people, all work the same promotion or they're the same, you know, they're the same car load um, or, or whatever. I mean, it's like people are already organized, right? Like they're already mm. self-organized. Um, <laughs> everyone is, but like to just drop everybody without really kind of feeling out. Cause like, Hey, the, the guy who was like, I won't book you again. If you talk about your pay has a fucking hammer and sickle emoji in his, uh, in his <laughs> name. I'm like, I missed that. Oh my god, I missed that. Right, and it's like, hey, I don't like Means TV because they all seem like the most insufferable white supremacist communists that that mm. like I can imagine, and I don't want anything to do with them. <laughs> like, um, you know, I'm, I'm not, I'm not into it. And so, like, the assumptions that we can make without spending the time to have those individual one-on-one conversations means that we can kind of wind up stepping on a landmine if we're not prepared for it um so there's a lot of things that folks are like oh well they'll be sympathetic i know and i'm like okay are you sure because i had i had a guy who (laughs) i met a guy who was like oh i'm a socialist and he you know he was like a big online supporter of rojava which is great but also he was a raging homophobe and uh before i found that Mm -hmm. out and i finally met him i asked you know if he wanted to get involved with some local organizing and and he was like no way yeah he's like i would never i wouldn't want to lose my job i was like okay man (laughs) sure yeah i mean you were talking about don't tread on me uh flags earlier and i like i in my head right now i have a picture of like three wrestlers who who were currently signed who were at the time signed to wwe waving a big you know uh don't tread on me flag and everything and it's like you know, these are, you can't, you, you're you not able to, it's realistically, you can't organize with everyone. You have to feel people out to know who's a right fit, who has the same goals in mind, who's at least willing to get on board with your principles. Right. And like, I, I would love, you know, like someone was like, oh, you should reach out to uh, Effie. I was like, why? Cause we're gay. Mm. Um, and then, <laughs> but like, you know, like, should, I would talk with Effie. I haven't talked with Effie, mm. but like I would, I would talk with him if you, if that's what we wanted. Mm. Yeah. But like, I'm not going to go after him because he's gay and he thinks that the business should be better. 
Like that's not enough yeah. to assume that he'll be on board that I'm going to throw him in a, in a yeah. chat. Or... If he's also a self-described capitalist. <laughs> yeah. I'm like, I don't, <laughs> Hey, like I don't, um, I don't think that that's necessarily a disqualifier yeah. to engage with. No, no, definitely. Like we, we, like we were talking about earlier of like, you're going to have to be negotiating with promoters. Mm-hmm. Like you're also going to have to be, you're going to be working with capitalists. That's like, the nature of work. It's right. Like I, um, I'm not happy that I have a boss, <laughs> but like, mm. Mm, that's kind of how it works. And I, I, I think yeah, to like bring that back around that, that thing, like I don't, I don't see every promoter as so the IWW preamble. Ugh, fuck, hate talking about the IWW, <laughs> especially when they kind of get. I could, I could hear, I could hear the fatigue in your voice and your entire yeah. being as soon as those letters came out mm-hmm. of your mouth. Um. Anyway, like the preamble is like the working class and the employing class have nothing in common, um, which is like the foundation of their analysis. Right? There's two classes: you either you're either yeah. a boss or you're a worker. Which, like, when they initially started that out, there was a lot of conversation over, like, well, what about people who are unemployed or aren't allowed to work mm. or what have you? And, like, they found solutions to that. And nowadays, the IWW is very something. Um, but, but um, <laughs> you know, I don't, I don't look at every wrestling promoter as Vince McMahon or, mm. like your evil landlord or your shitty the worst boss you ever had when you were 19 <laughs> like no, or even that, that's obvious from the way you were talking about billy earlier you know like billy's a worker and a promoter right. depending on what day of the week it is and where and where he's doing his job right and i'm like there are definitely things that have to get done there are tasks that factor into running anything a business an event that is it's coordination it's mm. it's communication it's coordination it's logistics it's like the planning of things right and so when i think of a promoter i'm really trying to break it down into what are the tasks that this role does um because like i don't have an issue with a coordinator i especially don't have an issue with a coordinator if i'm like cool with them doing that job and, and think highly enough of them that like i would like them to have a little bit of temporary authority to tell me and the others like what needs to get done based on like them kind of seeing all the different parts together. Um, but like, there's definitely plenty of shithead promoters who are bosses. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. And so like, I, I think my take on a lot of it is that we need to break down this idea that the promoter is a boss, like your manager at office max, um, <laughs> or, or like is a boss, like a CEO, um, no, most promoters don't have corporations behind them. Right, like, um, Dark Sheik over at Hood Slam is not Jeff Bezos. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> He's just not. Yeah. Um, and so, like, I, I think a lot of the the things that that go into this, and this this kind of goes back to the co op idea, is is taking apart an entire wrestling event, mapping it out, charting it out, seeing what needs to get done by who, when, and how, so that you can kind of be like, okay. This is what this. This is what a tech does. This is what a wrestler does. What a ref does. Ring crew, um, and these are the things the promoter does before, during, and after an event to kind of figure out, like, okay, what do we need to rearrange? What's necessary? Mm-hmm. What's working? Where are the the bottlenecks so that if there's a promotion that needs to be disrupted, that it can be, or like, what are the things that need to be thrown away? 
um, I think that's kind of like a major, major aspect of this. So like if, um, if 20 wrestlers, like uh, it, it's hard to think about how many wrestlers you need for a wrestling event. Um, <laughs> cause yeah. the number always seems way higher than I would think. Um, <laughs> but like, you know, um, getting, getting into it, like to start chopping it up and then say, okay, well, like I said, why is the promoter the only one who gets to decide how much everybody gets paid? Hmm. And like Leroy, you know, uh, big game Leroy did like a really good, um, thing about that in the, in the space to talk about like, well, how do you decide how much a high flyer is worth or a deathmatch guy or yeah. a comedy wrestler? Um, or the, the main event versus they all serve different purposes on the same card. Right. And like good promoters know the difference between a match and they know how to do the pacing and, and all that stuff. Um, you know, I saw one clip like two years ago where some guys were like, Oh, we knew we were told we were going on after these two guys and they did a 15 minute match. That was like an amazing technical wrestling masterpiece. And the crowd was exhausted by the end of it. And so we scrapped our match and I, <laughs> Uh, he's like, I won the match in three seconds with a surprise roll up, and then I celebrated for seven minutes, and that's that's what got over with the crowd. That's <laughs> like that's the coolest shit ever. Um, <laughs> yeah, hundred percent. Yeah, that rules. That's I mean, that's a pro wrestler doing their right. job. Like that's their pro, that's a pro wrestler knowing their craft mm-hmm. really well, reading the audience really well, and responding to it. Right. And I, I think that those are things that um, someone will say. Well, you can't teach Ugh, Enzo. I learned so much shit. I don't want to know. You can't teach stuff like that. I don't think. Um, but, <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> life is pain. Um, but, yeah. Uh-huh. but yeah, uh, you know, I don't think that's like a thing that you might necessarily be able to, to jot down, but like, is a thing that people who are in a position to make those decisions to change something, um, like should be able to advise like, Hey, you need to realize that this crowd is exhausted right now. Um, and you've got some time to figure yeah. out what you want to do instead. Maybe you're welcome to do whatever, like it's the, excuse me, the ring is yours, but you know, understand <laughs> this is, this is where it's at. You can go look for yourself. <laughs> um, yeah. So yeah. And we're trusting and we're trusting someone who would not be able to get through a business one one class to judge the value of that. And then hopefully if they're better than average, actually pay the person that mm-hmm. much right it's it's not it's, it's just not a ten it's just not a ten right. situation and it's like that's like well that's just how it is well why mm. <laughs> like why like, yeah <laughs> just, how do we how do we how do we stop that from being the case right exactly. I'm like, well, why is it like that though like why does it have to be like i just keep like it's mm. the it's the fucking uh sorry, go well, ahead, sorry. I, I, like uh I, I i do that with everything and it seems very childish but i am completely serious like i i had someone who was like well we should destroy this organization this this socialist organization if it's not doing that and make a new one and i was like well why make a new one why do we need one why do we need that mm. why do i have to sit through another goddamn meeting like <laughs> like, <laughs> it's like why are you so dedicated to having a thing that is just like this um Mm. And and I that's kind of my thing with wrestling too. It's like, well, why does it have to be exactly like this? Why though? Yeah, mm. I mean, it's the it's the uh, it's the Ursula K. Le Guin quote. Like any any system any system shaped by human hands can be shaped by human hands and changed by mm-hmm. human hands. 
Oh, I thought you were going to go with the Divine Writer Kings one. <laughs> She's yeah, got so I mean, many the, good the line, the line just The line just before that is, uh, we live under capitalism, its power seems inescapable, so did the Divine Writer yeah. Kings, which is like all-time fucking amazing quote. She's great. Yes. I hope to actually read her someday. Um, <laughs> they don't she's very me. she's very good she has a lot yeah. of good writing on her. <laughs> um, <laughs> but yeah but yeah i think in 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 the spirit of that anecdote you just told uh, <laughs> i think maybe since we've we've had you go we've been going a bit longer maybe we should just try and hit some of the things you wanted to talk about quickly and then and then we can skip to plugs if you've got anything you want to promote before we sure. go Okay, um, so, uh, yeah, I think in the, so, <laughs> the, the, the promoter who, who you had that conversation with, let's call it on Twitter, uh, the re- the reason that happened was because, you know, not long after you, uh, h- held that spaces and you spoke quite passionately on the subject in the space, uh, it became a bit of Twitter discourse about keeping your pay to yourself and not talking about it. So I thought I'd give you a chance to uh, just, you know, go off on the podcast a little bit if you want to on that subject. So I, it's so like, so (laughs) for the last year, at least I've been pretty consistently occasionally being like, everybody needs to talk about how much they make. Um, Mm. Which is like, it's funny because I used to just say that generally. And now I say it like, very specifically at wrestlers and people in that industry. Mm. Um, Cause like, I do mean the industry and I'm like, if you're a ref, you need to talk about how much you're getting paid. If you're ring crew, you need to talk about how much you're getting paid. Like every, everybody needs to know how much they're getting paid. And that's um, mm. the, 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 the phrase for it is informational asymmetry. Um, the, the, the promoter, the boss, whatever um, has all the information and you don't, and therefore you can never make an informed decision. Um, about it and and uh, my friend who <clears throat> got me into wrestling again with the the SummerSlam live tweets you know told me about um the old kind of feminist women's only secret facebook groups minders full of uh women writers and you know now there's there's other projects there's like a whole database of freelancers who share their rates um how much they made for how much work with what company mm. um and like i think that wrestling needs something similar to that um now whenever i do post yeah. that oh, go ahead sorry i was actually just gonna say i think wrestling may have kind of prepped itself for this a little bit or, or at least in like the online space mm with the speaking out movement because that is something which did spark people having to keep like lists of names of like who is this person what have they been accused of what have they done you know like just so that they can share them around amongst other people so that people know who not to work with and like i don't know how much that's a thing that's gone on behind the scenes in the industry but like that's definitely something I've seen going around and has been happening in wrestling since last year. Having at least, but you know, not specifically about labor as, as far as I've seen. Well, like, I, I think that, I think it's, it's not the same. And it's definitely related in that, um, the whisper networks that communities and people create mm-hmm. for their own protection, um, are always going to be there. Um, there is not one monolithic rates registry for wrestlers. Um, just like mm. there is not one monolithic list of abusers or, you know, what have you. Um, mm. and that, 
that means that, you know, someone can go somewhere else where they have no info or no knowledge or no contacts and not know about the missing stare. Um, and that missing stare might be that they wind up working with someone who abuses them, or it might be that they work with someone who doesn't pay them um, or, or something like that. Mm. And I, I think that the whisper networks that were created and the connections that were made from speaking out have definitely helped create more safety than there was before. Um, mm. But I wouldn't say that it's the fix. Um, and, oh, and no. I, right. <laughs> um, that's just how it is. Like, you know, I, I've, I've not spoken to people for like a year and then they hit me with a, Hey, this person uh, says that they're from your city where you live now. Do you know anything about them? they kind of give me a weird vibe and then mm. I got to ask around and it's like, Oh, they got run out of this city <laughs> and they're there now where they don't know anybody. So, you know, smash their fucking brake lights until they leave. Um, but, <laughs> but like, um, I, I think, um, to get off the tangent, I think, um, <laughs> I think the, the, the rate sharing thing, it always gets some pushback. Um, and, you know, I got one where it was like, if you do this, don't expect to keep any of your friends. Because once they find out that you're making more than them, they're going to be pissed off. I'm like, well, why, why, why would they be mad at you? You didn't, you, you're not paying yourself. The promoter paid. You. Yeah. <laughs> um, That's the wildest shit to me. Like the, the, this is something that happens a lot in just, I mean, you see it happening a lot in um, in the history of organizing in general as well. Like, uh, one group of people will get together and be super angry at this other group of people who are, you know, doing doing work, working for cheaper or something like that. When like they didn't mm-hmm. set their own rates, be angry at the people hiring them for that money. Mm-hmm. Be angry at the people who are willing to pay right. them that little. Like. If someone's it's on the such court a you, wild it's not because mentality. they want to, it's because that's yeah. the position they've been right. put in. Yeah, it's such a wild mentality. I think, like, Everyone would rather be making more money. <laughs> right. And I, you know, I'm always like, I don't I, I will never tell you that the thing that you need is more money. I don't get yeah, to tell you yeah. what you need beyond like you deserve safety. You deserve to have your your needs met, right? You deserve a roof over your head and, and mm. food in your stomach and um, to not work in a place that makes you sick, uh, and and like clean water in your right. class, and but like I don't show up to where you work and say you ought to be making more than that, and like expect that to like spur yeah. you to mm. take on a risk, like like maybe this this was another thing that came up in in the spaces was like the idea of organizing not necessarily just giving you extra bargain and power for contracts, mm. but it's about ins- like adding pressure to ensure protections. Right. Um. Yeah. So I, I actually wanted to, to uh, ask you about that as well, quickly. So I, I don't know if we we should just uh, do another segue before before we're we're out of energy and time. Uh, but I, I, yeah, I was just wondering, like, with the current state of things and like you know the work you've been doing so far, do you have any idea of how wrestlers do or may ensure those protections for each other? So, <clears throat> or with each other. So I can list all the ways that I think 
that a union or mm. a, a collective or what have you could improve conditions for people, right? Um, mm. And that won't necessarily result in anything. There's a really good fuck. I'm doing it again. Doing it again. There's a really good article written um, <laughs> by the UKIWW's publication, the New Syndicalist, called "Nobody Cares That You're Right." Um, where they kind of break Ooh. down, yeah. they break yeah. down that, uh, you can create a logical explanation as to why someone should do something, but if they're not emotionally engaged, that it's not going to happen. Um, and like, I, I think, <clears throat> I think that it's up to workers, not just wrestlers, but like workers broadly to, to look around and say, okay, we all got together. Mm. This sucks. What if it was different? You watch the Trotsky um go go look it up it's a weird little uh high school drama about a kid who thinks he's a reincarnation of leon trotsky uh in canada and, and just go look up the trotsky um because there's a great a great point where there's just like this sucks what if it, what if okay. it didn't um is is kind of the thing and once you start applying that framework to it um you just don't stop <laughs> like you just don't stop because Ooh. <laughs> I, I mentioned i was like hey, you can, i can yeah. you go out there and you negotiate a better you like a better base salary at your job um that's great does it do you a whole lot of good if your rent gets hiked and yeah. so then i'm like great so then you go and i can't incite violence against landlords on a podcast um then you go and you create a tension <laughs> but i can't <laughs> we've, incited, we've incited a lot of violence against a lot of people That's on this fine. podcast i you know for a while i was considered the most um potentially dangerous person uh in the iww so um hell yeah hey. well done that's a nice yeah, that's an accolade yeah. it's a really nice thing to get told you are uh, around a campfire with some years <laughs> but um but, but yeah, like, you know, you, you just go to the next thing. And so like, yeah, maybe it's rent, but like the, the, the things that they could change besides like rates going up, um, like I've, I've kind of brought up a couple of times is like, do you have time to like run the ring <clears throat> before you wrestle at an event? Yeah. And people are like, not all the time. And I was like, isn't that like a big deal? Cause all the rings feel different and you don't know if maybe a board's out of place or you want them to tighten up the ropes for for this match before you do it. Cause you need to do some maneuver that requires them to be tighter. Like that seems really important to me. Or, um, mm. one of the things that I brought up and this is, you know, kind of based on my, my DIY, um, organizing experiences. Like why isn't there some local dad who will bring his grill to the wrestling event and feed you all? <laughs> like, why did that see if they put out a call there would definitely be people who they, would come and feed wrestlers you so me? many guys who were like whatever they got brought you know by their wife or whatever to an organizing meeting in the community and when we were like hey yeah. we're thinking of having an event and it would be really cool if we could have some food for it and they jumped up like, i'll come out there in my truck and i'll drop off the grill and i'll be out here cooking and i can feed 50 60 people don't even worry about it great man <laughs> like why isn't a lot a lot of people are just looking for something to do like if you if you if you give them a way to help then that they can do then they'll do it right and so i'm like why aren't you getting a meal <laughs> like, why don't you get a hot meal yeah exactly or, like i understand that transportation and, and lodging and everything is difficult but like maybe there's a collective solution like a, a a travel or lodging fund that can be created 
um, for people to not mm-hmm. just wrestlers, but like people and fans to chip into. Um, and like that, you know, obviously unveils a whole host of other questions that need to be answered. questions about crowdsource and funds right. and yeah. things like that. Yeah. But like, there's so many different avenues of improving things. And like, again, this is all down to like where you are, like different mm-hmm. scenes do different things differently and all that kind of stuff. But like, if you're, if you're just looking at, we want to ensure that rates are proper, like that's very good, but it's also very far short of what you could be doing mm-hmm. when you're talking about improving the mm-hmm. situation for people. I think I'm reminded, <laughs> sorry, not to be that bitch, but I'm reminded of a, of a Malatesta quote. <laughs> when have you ever not been that bitch? <laughs> so like, I, I, like the one thing that Malatesta said was, uh, we must support all struggles for partial freedom because we are convinced that one learns through mm-hmm. struggle and that once one begins to enjoy a little freedom, one ends by wanting it all. And I think, you know, I think that's like something where you can both bo- apply it to like partial freedom in terms of like, well, maybe it's not for all of us, but it is for this or whatever. But, you know, I th- in terms of more like of a solidarity, like idea of like, no, this is, it is for all of us. So what's partial is we might not get everything we want at once, but we can pick a thing we want to fight for and we can get that. Mm-hmm. And then once we've got that thing, why don't we uh, just keep fighting? <laughs> There's not going to be nothing else to find that we want to improve, right? And and once you've and once you've gotten one thing, it's going to be easier mm-hmm. to get the next thing because you you're building up experience, you're building up trust, you're building up like you're built, you're building something. Yeah, and there's this um, this thing about people need to see the union, hear the union, um, know the union. It's been a really long time. But it's like the, the difference. Fear, fear the <laughs> some people do need to fear the But like it's it's uh-huh. it's about that some people can just hear there are, there's always gonna be people who are gonna hear there's a union. Do you wanna be involved? And they're on board. And some people need to see it do mm. a thing. They need to see that it's a concrete, active, actual thing. Maybe they need to see that there's like a, a minor action on the job where they deliver a list of demands and do a a momentary work stoppage until the boss you know gives in and then they're like cool you did a thing you're real you're you're tactile and you influence the world i'm i'm involved um and some people need to like actually like see it long term exist and win and influence um everything in like a much deeper way and they have to understand it before they're going to get involved and like that's how all organizing Mm -hmm. is you're not going to get everyone on board with like one impassioned speech, no matter what like the guys at Tra- Chapel Trap House think is going to happen when they say a slur. Like it's just not; it doesn't work sure. out like that. And so, a lot of these, no. a lot of these things, these little steps um, have a lot of implications. Um, and like we're not gonna we're not gonna get everybody in the next two weeks. It's been mm. it's been almost a year that we've been doing this, and it's been quiet. Because most organizing is quiet and slow, because um, mm. that's how you make it as safe as possible. And like the the major underpinning for this that I've had um, has been consent and safety. Um, mm. Because like I don't know how to engage, <laughs> know how to engage if those aren't at the forefront. Um, yeah. So, yeah, I don't know if that really answered your question. <laughs> <laughs> I, 
I think I mean I think it did, and I think you also answered a lot of other questions while doing it. So yeah, I right. think that's fantastic. <laughs> uh, we have taken so much more of your time than we uh, anticipated, but it's been fucking delightful. <laughs> yeah, it's been a pleasure. Uh, is there anything that you want to like shout out? Anything you want to plug? Anything you want to point people towards? Um, stuff like that. I don't have like I don't have like a business like or a service I do mm. like if you're a wrestler or you work in the wrestling industry um and you you want to talk about organizing um you can find me on Twitter there's a, a a thread you can DM me I used to have my Calendly link up but that seems unsafe uh to just have out publicly <laughs> um mm. it's uh mix yep. mx inevitable i n e i don't actually know how to spell that off the top of my head um <laughs> google it we'll we'll put a link to that it in the show notes. Yes. um you know my dms are open um so as long as you're not a shithead um you know we'll make time i um yeah i don't i don't have anything to like tell people to donate to except go find mutual aid uh request lists um mm-hmm. you know do do give freely um don't don't demand information and justification just give if you can and uh and always share if you can um and if you can't give money then ask if you can give time ask Mm -hmm. if you can give effort like there's always something needed (laughs) really really investigate what reciprocity and compensation uh look like because it is not just money Mm. yeah okay wonderful um oh yeah one last thing you mentioned a zine library earlier is that a public facing thing um mine or is it more of a private mine is like just a lot of stuff cobbled together there are zine archives out there that i have not checked in a while um okay and i don't know if they still exist um but i i i will look into it if you would like um oh it's it's honestly it's fine i was just wondering if it was like you know the sort of thing where it's like oh you have a zine library should we link that in the episode description you know that's no it's literally just like 30 to 40 documents uh in a google drive folder from (laughs) from like a year or two (laughs) we can link a google drive if you want us to that's no skin of photos (laughs) okay sweet uh, well, let me know. Right. Thank you so much for coming on today. This is a wonderful yeah, conversation. Uh, Envy, I'll let you. I'll let you take us out. No, I think you just did it. Thank <laughs> okay. you so much for joining us. Uh, thank you so much for listening. And yeah, this was fucking great. Thank Thanks you so much for coming on. <laughs> <laughs>